0: Hey, I hope you brought a Bible with you tonight. And I hope you know where the book of Job is. We're going to turn there. Job is right before Psalms. Uh, Job is the first book of what is called the wisdom literature. Uh, The book of Job describes a circumstance that is baffling. It's bizarre to unsaved people and baffling to theologians. It talks about God and Satan almost bargaining together on something. Um, We we see in the book of Job some great themes. Tonight, we're going to read one verse. We're going to talk about some of the great themes that we see in the book of Job. We're going to talk about some of the issues that Job had and difficulties in choosing to trust the Lord. And then we're going to close with some things that can help us keep trusting the Lord and focusing on Him. Choosing to trust the Lord no matter what. Easier said than done. And we're not going to look at the theology of the book of Job so much, not the whole thing. We taught a series of messages through the book of Job some time back. A few messages, not a lot. But uh, we're not going to look at that in detail. What we're going to think about is, There were things beyond Job's understanding, beyond Job's awareness. God and Satan had a dialogue in heaven, uh, God ruling in heaven, and Satan being a visitor who had access up to talk to God, he no longer belonged in heaven because he'd been thrown out with the fallen angels, and someday he'll be completely cast out and ultimately cast into the lake of fire. Uh, The home prepared for him because he had rebelled against God so uh, the book of Job presents a guy who goes through the most difficult week of any human's life probably in the history of humanity and it describes the difficulty and the hardship and the struggle and the turmoil within and without and uh, yet Job chose to trust the Lord so we're in Job chapter 13. So at this point, what has happened to Job? Before we get to chapter 13, what has happened to Job? Lost everything, everything. like what? He lost his children. It's interesting, the Bible mentions children last, but when we think about it, we always think of children first. It's because the other things went before the kids went. He lost children. He lost cattle. He lost camels. He lost donkeys. He lost servants. He, he lost his health. He lost his relationship with his wife. It was really strained for a while there. He lost his best friends who came over and sat for a week in silence uh, grieving with him, and, and he felt some comfort from their being there. And then they started talking, and that mo- removed all the comfort. They started blaming Job and fussing at Job and critiquing Job and blaming it on him when God himself had said, Job is an honorable man. God's own testimony recorded in Job chapters 1 and 2 that Job is an honorable, God-fearing man. And yet his friends harassed him and accused him because they didn't understand the circumstances. Be careful when you start telling someone their consequences are a result of their behavior. That may not be true. So, Job chapter 13. Job gives a testimony here that is remarkable. Job says in Chapter 13, verse 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I will maintain mine own ways before him. Though he slay me. I remember witnessing to a guy in Texas years ago when we lived on, of all the streets, for a preacher to live on, Hanging Cliff Court. Sounds like Texas, doesn't it? We lived on Hanging Cliff Court. Cliff Court in North Richland Hills, just outside of Fort Worth. And, and it, I don't know why it was called a court, because it wasn't. It was a through street. And if you cross, we lived on the corner, and you crossed the street, went down around the other corner, there was a guy. Uh, Kathy had befriended his wife. Uh, they had a kid in school about the same age as Jessica. They were all in kindergarten together, walked to school together. And so I was witnessing to this guy. And he told me he would never trust in the Lord. Because his mom had been a good Christian. His mom had been a devout Christian. And God let her suffer with cancer painfully before she died. He wanted nothing to do with God. Because if that's how God takes care of his own, he doesn't want to trust and follow God. He was looking at this little picture, this little window of his mother's life. If his mother genuinely was a believer at that exact moment when she died of cancer, where was she? In heaven, in the presence of the Lord. Glory forevermore. Instead of focusing on what his mom went through, he should focus on what she was going through right now. Blessed of God forever. So yeah, there was some suffering and some turmoil, but it was short term and the glories are forever. We don't always understand what God wants, what God expects why God chooses. So Job gives us a study of three big themes. Number one is God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty. That means God's in charge. I'm in charge. You're not. Deal with it. That's how God answers Job. Job's friends critique him and he answers them. And then Job finally turns and he questions God and he speaks directly to God, questioning God. And God's answer is, where were you when I created the earth? Behold, Behemoth, which was a huge dinosaur, uh, could drink up the river. The description, it's kind of humorous or sad. In Bibles, study Bibles, it'll say it was a hippopotamus. Have you ever seen a hippopotamus's tail like a cedar? Maybe like a cedar sapling, just flip it. But the tail like a cedar, it's, it's an apotosaurus. It's a big dinosaur is described there. Huge belly capable of drinking up a river. And then Leviathan, uh, the next chapter. Leviathan is the description of a fire-breathing dragon. You notice in chapter one, Job was a man of the east all Eastern cultures have stories of dragons because there may have been fire-breathing dragons that lived in that part of the world when Job was in that part of the world. We know that men and people, li- I mean people, <laughs> men and people, I think men aren't really people, right ladies? Uh, that, that people and dinosaurs lived at the same time because the book of Genesis said so. God created the beasts of the field and man on the same day, the sixth day of of creation. There's also footprints of where a dinosaur was chasing a man Uh, in Texas. uh, They have that in Granbury, Texas, that a footprint of a man. and, And you see these several footprints of a man in a row. And one of those footprints has been squished up by a big dinosaur footprint that mashed up the footprint of the man. So <laughs> that dude was probably running pretty fast with a dinosaur chasing him. Uh, and the dinosaur was behind him, s- close enough behind him that the mud was still soft when the dinosaur stepped there. Uh, lots of evidence of, of dinosaurs and man, not just in, in the book of Job, uh, but they lived at the same time. And Job is trusting in God's sovereignty and Job is not understanding God's sovereignty. Job... Uh, The book of Job, the theology of Job in chapter 1 and chapter 2. God says, uh, listen, I'm going to allow you to do certain things. But God is in control. God is in charge. Satan is not. Job is not. Job's friends are not. God is in charge. Now, we get discouraged sometimes. We get frustrated because God doesn't do what we want him to do. We pray, and he doesn't let it happen. I remember when our oldest daughter, Jess, when Nathan was born, she wanted another sister, a baby sister. He was our second child. She wanted a baby sister. And so I had—I was holding her hand as we were walking in the hospital. And I said, you ready to go meet your baby brother? And she yanked her hand out of mine. And she kind of stomped and got that stubborn look that some women never outgrow. You know, <laughs> that stubborn look that little girls and little boys can get when they don't get their way. And she said, but I prayed for a sister. And at that moment, she learned that praying helps, but God rules. The second theme in the book of Job helps us understand what Job's going through is Satan's power and limitations. Limitations. God told Satan in chapter 1, Okay, I'm going to let you mess with Job, only don't touch the man physically. Obviously, touched him emotionally because of all the losses. And Job lost cattle, he lost camels, he lost donkeys, he lost herds and fields, and he lost all of his kids. In that description, Satan caused fire to come down from heaven. Isn't it interesting That in the days of Elijah, when the prophets of Baal were praying, Satan could not bring fire down from heaven. But he could in the book of Job. Did Satan lose his ability? No, God hindered it. There are limitations. Uh, uh, Satan himself testified at the beginning of the book of Job. I want to mess with Job. This is a paraphrase. I want to mess with Job and you won't let me. You put a hedge behind him and a hedge in front of him. So I can't get to him. He was protected. Today's technology, we'd call it a force field that God had around Job. So Satan could not mess with Job. And God said, okay, I'll let you mess with him all the way up to right here. You can mess with him up to right here, but don't touch Job. Then in chapter 2, God said, okay, now you can mess with Job, but you can't take his life. Satan had the capacity to take the lives of all of his kids but he could not take Job's life. In some ways, I think Job would have preferred that. The agony that he went through. The end result was better. We know that by reading the whole book. But at that moment, he was frustrated and in pain. So not only do we see the sovereignty of God on display, God makes decision. God allows and decrees the trials and difficulties he will allow in your life. But we also see Satan has power, but it's limited. He is the prince of the power of the air. He was the greatest of all angels before he rebelled against God. He has power, but he has limited power. He can only do what God allows. The third thing that we see in the book of Job is handling false accusations. False accusations. Accusations. I remember once, I don't, I don't even remember which kid now, but we had a kid that was supposed to go to sleep and they weren't. And they were messing around. I'd gone in a couple of times. And they were messing around in bed. And so uh, I went back in and they were messing around in bed again. I heard them just thrashing around in bed. And so they, they were on a top bunk and I just reached up there and swatted their bottom a couple times. And they were asleep. They were having a nightmare and thrashing in their sleep. And I spanked them in their sleep. I went out to Kathy. I sat down on the couch and said, I just spanked him. And he or she, I don't remember which kid she would. It was Nathan. And he was asleep. And I just, oh, I felt so bad. He still holds it against me. No, he doesn't. But i I falsely accused him. And falsely disciplined him. He was thrashing in his sleep. Benjamin almost got sent home from camp one year. Because his counselor at camp was certain that Benjamin was trying to stir up trouble in the tent. Because apparently he talks in his sleep. And he was talking in his sleep. And the counselor wanted to send him home from camp. But (laughs) you can't help when you're asleep, right? False accusations. How many of you have ever had somebody say something against you that was not true? <laughs> yeah, if your hand hasn't gone up, you just haven't lived long enough. It's going to happen. And so, <laughs> Dan just doesn't pay attention to him. That's why he's missed him. Um, that's, so in, in the book of Job, they critiqued him and critiqued him. And And if you read through the book... Job keeps coming back to the truth. He tells them, I've been following God. Oh, you haven't been following God. You've been sinning, and this is God's judgment. Stop lying. I'm not lying, I've been following God. He holds to the truth. They continue to harass and harass and harass. I'm poured on thicker and thicker and the speeches get longer and longer. And Job keeps saying the same thing. I've behaved honorably before God. I'm trying to follow him. I'm pursuing him. I don't know why this is here. I don't know of anything I need to repent of. And he kept handling the false accusations appropriately. Instead of giving in, Instead of questioning himself, he did eventually question God. Why are you allowing this? But Job focused on the truth. And we need to do that when dealing with false accusations. And Job finally just let them go and focused only on God. So choosing to trust God is a theme that we see in the book of Job. Choosing to trust the Lord when life is is confusing. See, it wasn't just the pain and suffering that Job was going through. It was confusing. He didn't understand. Uh, I read of a missionary, in fact, we showed a video of a missionary family that they were in uh, Afghanistan before the Taliban really took over. And they were serving the Lord there. It was a husband, a wife, and two kids. And the wife went to the store and somebody broke in the house. The Taliban guys broke in the house, killed her husband and her two sons. And she came home to a house that had been torn apart and her three beloved family members dead. When I was a teenager, um, a, a I was not a Christian at the time, but was really close to trusting the Lord. It was right before I trusted the Lord. I went to uh, a church, and they had um, a skit of the guys who were the Aka Indians, Jim Elliott and those guys, and and they were killed. And I remember thinking, what a waste. They tried to serve God, and God let them die? What a waste. And at that point, I was unsaved. I thought, God is not trustworthy. I learned later that God was and that God used that circumstance to change the heart of the guys who killed them. And the guy that led the raid against Jim Elliott and Nate Saint ended up being a preacher of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. God can change. So life is confusing. You have to choose to trust God. It's not going to be easy it's not going to be. Oh yeah, God's word says that, so I believe that. It's uh, you know, God said it, I believe it. That settles it for me. God said it; that's settled, whether you believe it or not. But this is there are gray areas. There are areas where you don't see God speaking in His word, and you're not sure what's going on, and you're confusing. You need to trust. The Lord, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Choosing to trust when life is confusing. You need to choose to trust the Lord when your heart aches. Can you imagine? This is a picture of a soldier who's just lost a buddy in combat. Can you imagine Job's heartache? I I can't. I, you know, I have never ever faced loss like Job has faced, and I hope I never do. I was with my mom and dad, but with my dad when my brother died. And then my dad and my brother's wife and I went home. Back and had to tell mom. And listening to my mother when she found out my brother had died and that wailing. I remember one Thanksgiving day when I was a chaplain early in the morning, we had to go make a a notification to a, a lady over in Apache Junction that her son had gotten killed on the highway that night. Her only son, on his way to her house for Thanksgiving dinner, got killed on the highway. And I had to go wake her up and tell her. And her wailing. And that was one child. My mom, it was one out of six. That lady, it was her only child. Job lost all of his kids. All at the same time. You can't imagine the heartache. But he said, I still choose to trust the Lord. You can choose to trust the Lord when your friends turn against you. Oh, Job's friends turned against him. They came to comfort him, to share with him, and then turned around and started blaming him and fussing at him. And I love the end of the book. I wish it always happened in life. It doesn't always, but I wish it always did. At the end of the book of Job, God says to those guys, you were wrong. Job was right. You go beg Job to pray for you, and I will forgive you but you have to beg Job to pray for you. Then I'll forgive you. I would have loved to have seen that. The guys who fussed at him and critiqued him and, and uh, belittled him, I'd love to have seen them have to come back and beg Job to pray for them. It doesn't always happen in this life. We've had people say lies about us and they're living just fine somewhere else. Um, going to some other church, living in some other community. uh, You've had people say lies about you and they're doing fine. Maybe you've lost a job because somebody lied about you. You're still okay. God's taking care of things. You leave. I just wish God always made them see the error of their ways. He will someday. Choosing to trust the Lord when your spouse rejects you. Now, I know that some of you have not had the luxury of having a spouse. Some of you have had a spouse who did reject you. I never have. Um, she's been a cheerleader for me. You know, I come home from work. She's there with her pom-poms. Yay, Terry! <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but she's always prayed for me and helped me and encouraged me. And Kathy and I have gone through really hard times. But one of the things that we've appreciated is that God's let us do it together. We've gone through heartache together, losses together. So Job's going through a really hard time. And apparently, Job and his wife had a pretty good relationship. I talked about this Mother's Day last year. Mrs. Job gets a lot of flack. But Job tells her, you're talking like a foolish woman. Evidently, that wasn't the normal way she behaved. We just, the only description of her speaking in Scripture is the worst day of her life. But that wasn't the normal pattern of her life, apparently. Uh, so she and Job were part, and now she says to Job, just, just curse God and die. Now, think how bad Job looked and felt. And, and when she tells him, curse God and I, she doesn't say, go kill yourself. It's just, he's in such pain and agony. Seems like if he just let go, he'd be gone. And his spouse rejected him. And and he felt abandoned by God. But he was choosing to trust the Lord even when he felt abandoned by God. Though he slay me. Now this is not though he allow me to die. This is though God zaps me with lightning from heaven. Though God puts his hand upon me intentionally to kill me, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Choosing to trust the Lord when you don't have a clue what he's doing. You're you're not just confused. You don't have a clue to try and figure it out. You're twisted. You're turned. You don't know where it's going, what it's going on. Choosing to trust God then. And as we saw in the second chapter of Job, Job's just laying. He's in sackcloth and ashes. He's got a broken piece of pottery. He's scraping the boils to ease some of the pain. Uh, Just horrible. On his head, down his neck, all over his back. Uh, Just horrible agony. And he can't even get up, the pain is so severe. And choosing to trust the Lord when you don't have the strength to press on. You guys have felt that way at one point or another, where you just can't take another step, and somehow the Holy Spirit gives you the strength to do it. Think of all the losses Job suffered. He lost his cattle, his donkeys, his sheep, his camels, his servants his sons and his daughters. All these things and just a handful of servants survived. And when the servants came back, they said, the the cattle are gone, but I'm the only one that survived. The, The sheep are gone, I'm the only one that survived. The donkeys are gone, I'm the only, the camels are gone, I'm the only one that survived. Your sons and daughters are all dead, I'm the only one that survived. Over and over. So Job, who had been one of the wealthiest men of the East, the wealthiest man of the East, now has five servants who are all beaten up, some by the enemy, some by circumstance. Five bedraggled servants, and he's lost everything else. So how did Job turn his circumstances around? Well, he gives a testimony about that a little bit in chapter 42. Chapter 42. The first thing that we have to do to turn our circumstances around when we're not trusting God is we need to remember that he is God. He is God. He's not just this buddy that we follow. He's not just a preacher or a priest. He's the Lord God of heaven and earth. In Job 42, Job now has seen that God is God. He has seen in chapter 40, God described behemoth. In chapter 41, he described Leviathan. God described his creation of the world. He described his establishing of the oceans. And now in chapter 42, Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that which I understood not. Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare unto thee, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes." See, Job was questioning God. Job was telling God, God, I wish you'd listen to me. God, I want you to give an answer to me. I don't understand why you've caused this. I've been trying to follow you. Now, why won't you speak to me? Some people get really stressed when you question God. You've probably heard well-meaning Christian people say, you should never question God. They need to read the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms are filled with stories where they questioned God, but they always came to the conclusion that God was trustworthy. So it's okay to question God temporarily, like my friend in Texas whose mother died. It would have been okay for him to question God and say, God, why did you allow this in my mother's life? But then he should have said, I don't understand it, but I still choose to trust you. As Job said, though you kill me, I will still choose to trust you. Remember that God is God. God is not just your buddy. He's the sovereign Lord of the universe. He said, I want that star in that place for that time. And that star was in that place for that time. I want the earth to hang out there with nothing. That's the the most amazing thing to me. Cosmonauts have gone into space. And as they've circled around the earth, they've said, I see no evidence of God. The earth is just sitting there and they see no evidence of God. We are, in our solar system, we are surrounded, what's the center of our solar system? Of this solar system. The sun. What is the sun? It's a star. What is a star? It's a massive fireball. And we sit suspended in space near a massive fireball. And there's no God. If we were a little closer, we'd fry. If we were a little farther away, we'd freeze to death. If for one moment the gravitational pull ceased, we'd hurl off into space. God. Is God. Now, we have a luxury that Job did not. The second thing, not just remember that he is God, but read his word. Job couldn't do that. Job could listen to his word, but the recorded scripture wasn't there for Job to read. It is for us. Read his word. When you're doubting God, when you're questioning God, read his word. Get into the word of God. Read through the book of Acts and see how God worked mightily in the early church. Read Paul's letters. Read Peter's letters. Read Peter's letters, especially when you're going through a hard time. He talks about how, hey, hard times are normal. God planned for you to have hard times so that you can trust Him. I read at the end of, of the book of Romans, uh, not the end, but Romans eight twenty nine. not even the end of the chapter, but he says God wants us to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's what God really wants. Read through the Psalms where they questioned God but still chose to trust God. Read through the Psalms where David repents of his sin, brokenhearted. Uh, Read his word. Get into the word of God. Uh, You having trouble trusting the Lord? Maybe it's because you're not listening to him. Get into the word. Listen to him. If you can, mark your spot there and turn to Job 19. As you're reading his word, here's the next thing you need to do. Reflect on his promises. Think about them. We have a couple of wind chimes hanging on the back porch. And they spin and they reflect light into the house in the early morning. We have little rainbows dancing along the carpet, the couch, and the wall. And it's kind of fun to see. The rainbow is a sign that God gave that he would never flood the earth again. Reflect on his promises. In Job chapter 19, look at verse 25. "'For I know that my Redeemer liveth, "'and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth.'" You and I can agree with Job on this, right? "'The Lord lives and he will return.'" In verse 26, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, after I die and my body decays, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reign shall be consumed within me. Said, even if I die, get buried, and my body totally decays, in my flesh I will see God. Job believed in the resurrection. Job believed in the rule and reign of the Lord Jesus Christ on planet earth. We're still looking forward to that day, but we know it's coming. Reflect on his promises. Even I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You know he's there with you going through your problems. He hasn't abandoned you to go through them alone. Back to Job 42. Back to Job 42. Rededicate yourself. Or, or maybe just dedicate yourself to the Lord. I got saved um, when I was 16. Actually, August the 10th. Uh, this week I'll have been saved for 41 years. That's Helen Fogel's birthday and my spiritual birthday. Um, August the 10th, 1976, I got saved. But I I struggled and I strayed and I hung around with some friends that didn't encourage me spiritually. And so I had stopped growing in the Lord and I'd actually started going back into some of the things I'd gotten saved out of. And so in 1978, um, June of 1978, I really felt convicted and I felt like I needed to uh, dedicate my life to the Lord. And so I went forward in church and I told my pastor I wanted to dedicate my life to the Lord. He said, well, do you mean you want to rededicate your life to the Lord? I said, no, no, I think I never dedicated my life to him before. I got saved and I appreciated that and I meant to live for him, but I never followed through. So now I want to follow through. I want to dedicate my life to follow the Lord. And that was a turning point. You need to dedicate your life or rededicate your life. That's what Job did. Look in verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. All right. Remember the scene. Job has suffered in chapter 1 in ways we can't understand. Now in chapter 2, he gets these boils. And then in chapter 3, he gets these friends. And these friends come and they fuss at him. And Job gets so tired of them, he wants them to just shut up and go away. And now, now because Job has seen God and he's listened to God's word, now Job is willing to pray for his friends. He's praying for these ones who abused him. It kind of reminds you of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, you need to love your enemies and pray for those that despitefully use you. That's what Job is doing. Job has dedicated himself to do what God wants and he's praying for his friends. That would not have been Job's first choice as as, uh, Roger said this morning. (laughs) Job's first choice would have been to get rid of his friends. But now he's following God's will, so instead of wanting to get rid of them, he's praying for them. I think it's a sign of spiritual maturity when actually you can honestly pray for God to bless someone who's hurt you. That's a sign of spiritual maturity. And Job had that. He said, I'm going to follow the path God has for me. God wants me to pray for these guys. I'm going to pray for these guys. If Job said, God... I I, I trust you, but I'm not going to pray for those guys. You might not have read the end of the verse where after Job prayed for his friends, then God gave Job twice as much as he had before. Job might not have seen the blessing if he hadn't first dedicated himself to the Lord. So when you're struggling, when you're having trouble trusting the Lord, talk to the Lord. Talk to Him. Spend some time in prayer. God's a big God. He has big shoulders. He can handle your complaints. Talk to Him and listen to Him from His Word. But most importantly, trust His heart. I love the cross. I know that when this church first moved into this building, this cross was planned in the construction. And the pastor came in and he covered it up. And he sheetrocked over it so there was no cross there. Because he thought it looked too Catholic. And then, uh, when he left, they came and opened this back up so you could see the cross. It looks like it's stained glass. It's not. That's just uh, painted in the front of it. It's just glass cut. Um, but I love it because it reminds us of what Christ did. And when we come in here to church and we look and we see that cross, we, he is. Trustworthy. We can trust his heart. Our, our focus this week in our video or our digital studies this week that you can look at online, I don't know whether they call them videos or DVDs, them picture thingies online, them moving picture thingies. Um, those, those are, and when you're going through those studies, uh, it's going to focus on encouraging you to trust the Lord in six areas of your life, to really trust Him and then get busy obeying and following Him. He is trustworthy. You can trust His heart. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. I appreciated what Tim said about that last Sunday morning. Saying, said, I can understand God willing to die for us, but letting your son die for people who hate you, that's beyond our capacity to understand. That's our God, and you can trust his heart. We're going to sing...